I was reading an article, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, um, by <clears throat> Matt Walsh. He writes for The Blaze. And uh, I think the title of the article was, If Being a Christian is Easy for You, You're Probably Not. There's a lot of truth to that. Huh? Yeah, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, kind of going, you know, again, thinking, you know, what you shared, Doug, you know, again, how difficult that is, and, and sometimes how God does put us in difficult positions, you know, gives us difficult tasks to do, there's a reason, and a lot of times we kind of think that, you know, it, it ought to all just be fun and easy and you know, I, so I think that's a great line to remember. If being a Christian is easy for you, you're probably not. So, <laughs> your convicting thought for the day, right? Hey, last Wednesday we started um, looking at the nine godly, what I would kind of call nine godly attributes associated with the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and Paul talks about that there in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22. And there he writes, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, okay? This is not something that you can go out and self-manufacture. This is not something you can do on your own. Um, this is something the Holy Spirit produces. So you cannot do this apart from God. You cannot do this apart from the Holy Spirit. And then Paul lists what that fruit is. He says, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. There is no law against these. And so last week we looked at the first one. We didn't get through all of it, but we looked at enough of it. And that was love. And so tonight I want to just kind of focus for a few moments on that second characteristic that Paul lists there, and that's that word joy. Now again, there's something that all of us do, whether we're little babies or senior adults. I see uh, Asher back there. I hear him laughing. Uh, again, doctors say this is such good medicine um, that it relieves stress. It can cure headaches, fight infections, even alleviate hypertension. In fact, if we engage in this activity, there are well-documented physical effects, many of them akin uh, to modern exercise. Muscles in the abdomen, the chest, shoulders, and elsewhere contract, heart rate, blood pressure increase. In one burst of this activity, the pulse can double from 60 to 120. The systolic blood pressure can sh uh, shoot from a normal range of 120 to 200. Once we stop this activity, heartbeat, blood pressure also dip below normal, which is a sign of reduced stress. Now again, what is this psychologically beneficial activity? It's laughter. Laughter is good for you, and laughter, as I just, you know, said, can also be healthy. Solomon in the Old, book, uh, Old Testament book, uh, Proverbs, affirms this. Listen to what he says in Proverbs 17, 22. He says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And I think we can all, through our own personal experience, we can attest uh, that that is true. So while laughter and happiness can be good medicine, and there's great benefit from it, I think there is something even greater than laughter and happiness. And what a lot of us need more of in our lives is not happiness and laughter, even with all of its benefits. What we need more of in our lives is not happiness. What we need more in our lives is joy. 
Now again, there is a tremendous difference between joy and happiness. And a lot of people confuse happiness with joy, but again, there are some major differences. Now happiness depends upon happenings. Okay, as a matter of fact, the word happiness, it comes from the word hap, which simply means luck or happenstance. In other words, happiness is tied more to just being lucky or fortunate or a matter of being in the right place at the right time. See, happiness is external, joy is internal. Big difference. Happiness is based upon, it is dependent upon circumstances, and when those circumstances change, guess what? You're not happy anymore. Joy is based on, it is dependent upon Christ. Happiness is based on chance, joy is based on your choice. Happiness depends on outward circumstances. Joy depends on inward character. Happiness depends upon what happens to you. Joy depends upon who lives in you. Happiness is temporary, and folks, we all know it can change in a matter of seconds. Joy is lasting and settled. As a matter of fact, the words joy joyful are used over 250 times in the Bible. The word rejoice alone is used over 200 times in the Bible. So over 450 times we are told to be joyful and to rejoice. So whenever you get into God's presence or around people, there should be a sense of joy and rejoicing. Now listen to what David says in Psalm 16, verse 11. He says, in your presence, in God's presence, is fullness of joy. Ever experienced that? You ever get into God's presence and there is just palatable joy? I've, I've been there. I experience that very, very often. And he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 5, verse 11 says, but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy. Because you defend them, let those also who love your name be joyful in you. I love Nehemiah 8, 10. It says, don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sometimes when people come up and ask me, they'll, they'll say, can you just pray for strength? You know what I pray for? Joy. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you want strength, you're going to find it as you rejoice, as you find joy in the presence of God. Jesus even understood the importance of joy in the life of a believer. In John 15, 11, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you. And, and it's recorded. We, we have what he's spoken. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be halfway full. That's no, not what he says there. That, you, that your joy may be full. God wants his people, God wants his church to be filled with joy. And this joy is a work within us. This joy is only produced within us 
by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the greatest keys to maintaining your joy is perspective. One of the greatest keys to maintaining your joy is perspective. Perspective is everything. The way you look at life, the way you look at your problems, the way you look at your marriage, the way you look at your job, the way you look at your relationships will determine whether you're miserable or full of joy. Perspective is a choice. I read about a letter a college student had written to her parents, and here's what she wrote. Dear mom and dad, I'm sorry to be so long in writing. Unfortunately, all my stationery was destroyed the night our dorm was set on fire by the demonstrators. I'm out of the hospital now, and the doctors say my eyesight should return sooner or later. The wonderful boy, Bill, who rescued me from the fire, kindly offered to share his little apartment with me until the dorm was rebuilt. He comes from a good family, so you won't be surprised, Mom, when I tell you we're going to be married. In fact, since you've always wanted a grandchild, you'll be glad to know that next month you'll be grandparents. On the bottom of the letter it said, please disregard the above practice in English composition. There was no fire, I haven't been in the hospital, I'm not pregnant, I don't even have a steady boyfriend. But I did get a D in French and an F in chemistry and I wanted to make sure that you received this news in the proper perspective. <laughs> Very creative, right? So things can always be worse. But perspective makes all the difference whether you're going to be joyful or miserable. It's what you decide, what you choose to focus on, what you choose to dwell on. So tonight, I want to just share with you some um, places where we can find and really discover where we can maintain the joy that God desires to share with us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. First, there is joy in salvation. Amen? Amen. Amen. There is joy in salvation. Psalm 51, 12, part of King David's confession over his sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He prays this prayer and he asks God, he says, restore unto me the joy of, of my salvation. Or restore unto me the joy of your salvation. There's oftentimes, too, I will pray that over people who are maybe in a, in a state of sadness, of depression. Maybe they're in a, in, a, in a place of grief. That God would just restore unto them the joy of his salvation. Isaiah 12, 3 says, therefore with joy you draw waters from the wells of salvation. 1 Peter 1, verses 8 through 9 says, you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. So again, the Bible makes very, very clear there is joy in salvation. Now the two words in the Bible that are like first cousins, those are the words joy and grace. And the reason I say that is that the word for joy is uh, kara, and the Greek word for grace is charis. And so both of these words, joy and grace, they really kind of derive their, their, uh, their spelling, their, uh, their meaning from the same Greek root. And this conveys that the grace of God always produces the joy of the Lord. So grace is the root of salvation, and joy is one of those fruits 
of salvation. Now, why is that important? Have you ever stopped to just think about what is true of you if you are saved, if you're a Christian? First, just stopped and thought, what is true of me as a Christian? Have you ever thought about the benefits package that comes with your salvation? And by salvation, I mean, I'm referring to the outcome of when you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Salvation occurs when we acknowledge that we've sinned against God and against one another, and we ask God to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Romans 10:9 defines that process of salvation. And there it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that, that tells us how to get saved, what we need to do in order to be saved. For it is by believing in your heart. Now I've talked about this before, and I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about this. What is it that, that's necessary to believe in your heart? That God raised him from the dead, right? That's what he says there in, in that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So it's by believing that in your heart that you're made right with God. That, that's, that's so simple. And then he says, and it is by confessing with your mouth. What? Confessing what with your mouth? Well, he tells you in the verse before that, Jesus is Lord. When you make that confession by mouth, he, he says there, you're saved. So by believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're made right with God. That's righteousness. You're in right standing with God when you believe that in your heart. And when you make that confession with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you're saved. That is the process of salvation. This is what we must do to discover and experience the joy of our salvation. Part of the joy we discover and experience in salvation, let me give you one of them, your sins are forgiven. That's part of the benefit of salvation. It's part of the benefits package. Your sins are forgiven. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a benefit of salvation. It's part of what produces joy in us. Our sins are forgiven. Another benefit of salvation, you're a child of God. John 1.12 clearly states, but to all who believed him and accepted him, that's the process of salvation, he gave the right to become children of God. This is so important to understand because I hear this all the time. I will hear politicians, I will hear people say things that, uh, along this line, everyone is a child of God. Everyone. Everybody in this whole world is a child of God. That is not what the scriptures say. John 1.12 clearly says the right the designation, the identifier of those who are children of God are those who have believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, have accepted him by confessing with their mouth that he is Lord and making him Lord of their life. 
If you've never done that, you're not a child of God. You're not saved, and you can't expect to go to heaven when you die. Now, if you made that commitment a long time ago and have not been living it out, the chances are, again, you need to repent and ask God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Again, I've had people that have, you know, they've been Christians, you know, maybe 10 years ago, and, and for five years now, they've kind of been living apart from God. And, and that's part of what I will have them do. God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Restore me back into that right relationship with you. And even though I was raised in the church growing up, it wasn't until I was in my 20s when I really understood what the Bible taught about who Jesus Christ was, why he came to earth, why he died on the cross, why he was resurrected from the dead. I heard all that, but I didn't understand it. When I understood that, I accepted, I invited Jesus into my life. I asked him, forgive me of my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. And it was through that process that I became a Christian, and in that process, I became a child of God. Up until that point, I was not a child of God. Jesus said in John 14, 6, no one can come to the Father, meaning God, except through Jesus. I saw somebody post, was it you, Jeannie, that posted that thing on Facebook that talked about um, the, the, the extreme vetting process that Jesus has? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was clever. We talked about you know, the extreme vetting of the Muslims that Trump tried to institute there through the, the ban, which the, I mean the temporary ban, and Jeannie had something on there that talked about the extreme vetting process that Jesus had, and I think it re referenced John 14, 6. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Um, so again, the only way to really become a child of God is you've got to have a relationship, a living relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And in that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the joy of our salvation is manifested. Another benefit of salvation is God is always with you in the person of the Holy Spirit. This is, again, part of that benefits package. You get this when you get born again. In John 14, 16, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or counselor or comforter, your translations will say, who will never leave you. Jesus reassures his disciples of that same truth in Matthew 28, 20. Remember, Jesus is getting ready to ascend uh, to the Father in heaven. He's already been to the cross, died, risen again. And just before he leaves, he reminds the disciples then and us today saying, and you can be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So no matter what you're going through in this life, God, through the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, is with you, and he will never leave you. He will not, Scripture says, some of the translations say, he will never abandon you as an orphan. If you need strength, God's going to be there to give you strength. You need wisdom, God is going to be there to give you wisdom. You need peace, God is going to be right there to give you peace. If you need joy, if you need strength, God is going to be right there to give you whatever you need. Another benefit to salvation is you have received eternal life. John 6, 47, Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes on me has everlasting life. Now, the word life there in the Greek is the word zoe, and it simply means a blessed life. Zoe is a life that fully totally 
completely satisfies. It is life as Jesus lived it. See why this can produce joy in you when you kind of understand what you get, what you become, who you are when you become a child of God. The term everlasting life, it's not simply to be understood as life without end. It's not that you just live eternally. It is that, but more than that, it also denotes a quality and an intensity of life. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they might have life. That's word zoe, again in the Greek. So I've come that they might have zoe and that they might have it more abundantly. There's that intensity to life. There is that abundant life, zoe, everlasting life. That is the abundant life, the blessed life, the intense life. And when we live that abundant, blessed, intense life, there is joy. Now, there are many, many other benefits to salvation. I mean, so many uh, I don't have time to list all of them. As a matter of fact, they used to have a booklet out, and I need to get that on the table again. And it just kind of, it lists all of the benefits of being a Christian. And it gives you the scripture verses. And I think there's like, I think there were like over a hundred benefits you get when you become a Christian. And I, I've just kind of given you a few of those uh, here. But let me just give you one more before we move on. And that is God will hear and answer your prayers. Now, verse John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him. Isn't it good to have confidence in God? That, and this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And since we know he hears us when we make our request, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. God hears and answers your prayers. So when you think about and consider all the benefits that come with salvation of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it should make those of you who are not saved want to get saved, those of you who are saved to be filled with joy, or as David prayed and asked God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Second place you can discover and celebrate joy is there is joy in sanctification. We talked about the process of salvation, the gift of salvation. And after the gift of salvation comes the process and the work of sanctification. Let me put it this way. There is a joy that comes from being saved and there is also a joy that comes in living like it. Okay, sanctification is one of those really, really fancy theological words. I paid thousands and thousands of dollars to a seminary to learn how to say to impress people like you. Impressed, yeah, I can tell. Now, salvation is a process that takes you from what Peter says in 1 Peter 2.9, out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That, that's, again, one of those benefits of salvation. You go out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Uh, I, I see that light. When, when before I was born again, I would read the Bible, and there was, I was in darkness. I did not understand what I was reading. It made no sense to me. When I got born again, 
All of a sudden, I went out of that darkness into the light. All of a sudden, I could read the Bible and I understood what it was saying. It made sense to me because I'm no longer in darkness. I'm in God's marvelous light. It's a benefit. So that is, salvation takes you out of the darkness of sin. It brings you into God's marvelous light of salvation. Sanctification is the process of now walking and living life in God's marvelous light. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel or your body in sanctification and honor. So see, salvation delivers you out of sin, whereas sanctification is God's process of keeping you out of it. Sanctification is a process of once you are out of sin, God kind of just continues to separate you more and more and more and more away from sin. Does that make sense? Sanctification, we've talked about this before. Sanctification is the process of developing within the Christ follower holy character. It is the process of making you more and more and more conformed to the image of Christ. And folks, that is not an instantaneous process. Sanctification is not, salvation can be just like that. I mean, you go from being in darkness into God's marvelous light. It's like that. Sanctification, it is an ongoing day-to-day -day process that never ends until the day you die. So it's that process, little by little, day by day, decision by decision, as a result of being obedient to the word of God and following the example of Christ. That is sanctification. Now it's interesting because Paul gives there in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, the example he highlights there is sexual immorality. See, once you're delivered out of the sin of sexual immorality, and again, that can take on the form of adultery, homosexuality, pornography, um, any other form of sexual expression outside of the one you're married to. And once you are taken out of that sin of sexual immorality, sanctification is the process of putting more and more distance between you and that sin. And the joy of sanctification are the rewards of sanctification. There are rewards when we obey God's word. And one of the ways sanctification is developed in the life of the Christ follower, again, it is obedience. It's just following and doing what God tells us to do. Now, I'm just going to close with, with this. Uh, Deuteronomy 28, it's one of the best examples of this. Now just listen to this uh, in, in beginning in verse 2. And, and the scripture's up there on the board. You will experience all of these blessings if. That's, that's the trigger. <laughs> that's the contingency there. If you obey the Lord your God. Your towns, your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. 
Wherever you go, whatever you do, will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they're going to scatter in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. You're going to become a testimony of God's blessing. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today and if you carefully obey them. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never at the bottom. That's a, that, that's, man, if that doesn't cause you to rejoice, I don't know what will. These are the benefits. These are the joys of sanctification, of being holy, living holy lives. If you want to know what the rewards for disobedience and for not following the ways of the Lord, you can also find those there in Deuteronomy 28, beginning in verse 14, and they are called the curses. And I'll let you read those yourselves. Amen? All right. We're going to just take a few moments and, again, just invite the worship team back up. And, again, this is really... Again, just an opportunity to take maybe what you've heard here tonight, maybe the testimonies and the teaching tonight. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you just need some strength. Maybe you're weary, you're tired, not just physically, but maybe you're tired spiritually. Maybe you're tired emotionally. And this may just be an opportunity for you just to come to God and say, God, would you just restore unto me the joy of your salvation? God, again, would you just instill in me that joy, the benefits, the blessings that are mine because of my relationship with you and your relationship with me. So maybe you just need God to just refresh, to restore um, that joy for you um, tonight. Maybe it's just, again, an opportunity for you just to, as, as we kind of went through and talked about those benefits uh, of salvation that, that package of benefits that God bestowed upon you when you became born again. Maybe again, just ask God, again, just to refresh and to renew that, that you're forgiven, that you're a child of God, that you have eternal life, that, that God hears your prayers and he'll answer those prayers. So tonight, maybe it's just time to just uh, dial down, focus on that, and just, again, ask God to refresh, to restore any maybe areas where you're feeling kind of depleted um, tonight. Just allow the Holy Spirit to kind of come and just work in, in your midst. If God's given you a word, a scripture, uh, something tonight that you feel he's leading you to share, we want you just to kind of come up tonight and, and share that. And again, we just uh, are just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just come to you tonight. 
And God, I, we, I just thank you, Lord, for that, that phrase, that inexpressible joy. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would just instill that in us tonight. God, as we again just think upon you, as we think upon your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, your steadfastness, your faithfulness, God, as we again just look at you, as we look at your beauty, as we look at who you truly are, God, would, would you just use that to just instill in us that inexpressible joy, God, you are so good. I just can't get over how good you are. God, you are so faithful. I just can't get over how faithful you are, God. It just causes my heart to rejoice. So tonight, God, we want to just turn our eyes. We want to focus on you. We want to see you in all your beauty, in all of your majesty, in all your glory. And that God, in seeing you, that that God would refresh and restore unto us that inexpressible joy. So, Father, we just invite you into our presence as you come in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just move in us. Speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. God, if there's any way that you want to use us tonight to encourage, to edify, to comfort, the body of Christ. Father, we pray, Lord, you'll just come, speak, and move, and God will be obedient to that. We just thank you for your presence here with us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.